Hey, this is Kevin from Kevin's Barbecue Joints, and welcome to Kevin's Barbecue Joints Podcast. And welcome to episode two of Barbecue and Wine with Aaron Figes from Figes Barbecue. They have a place in Greenway Plaza as well as Spring Branch. This focuses on the Spring Branch location because they have a wine program there and they serve wine by the glass or by the bottle. And I'm just excited about this project. It's once a month. It'll be near the beginning of the month. So subscribe that way you don't miss out or put some sort of reminder. But this is going to be so great. This, this episode, we talk about three different wines that they carry and one of which we have a guest speaker in, Volker Donabon, pronouncing his name completely wrong. <laughs> You'll hear later on it pronounced correctly. Uh, he's from Austria, and his wine is featured on their menu, and he talks all about it. And he talks about growing up in a wine family. There's a, we, he talks about a bunch of stuff, but he talks about his wine specifically, and then we get into some other subjects. So that is super fun. We have a guest, and we'll have a guest generally every episode. And then Aaron will talk in depth about two specific wines or three, depends on how many we're covering. And hopefully the, I, my wine knowledge is small. Aaron's is very large. So hopefully over the course of this, you will learn as well as I will learn. I've, I just bought a bunch of different books on recommendations from Aaron. So if you want those recommendations, give me a DM and I'll give you those books. But hopefully along the way, we can all learn more about wine, appreciate more about wine, and also learn about pairings and how great it is with barbecue and with food. We also go over something that's very special to Patrick and Aaron and it's uh, Veterans Friday over at the Greenway Plaza location from 11 to two, Veterans Eat Free. And I'll put notes below on how to support this effort. They had someone that was helping, she discusses it in depth, but they had someone that was helping with this and that person had finished their course of assisting and people reached out and started to donate for this Veterans Friday. Right now, Patrick announced that they have reached 52 weeks, so one year's worth of free lunches for veterans, which is just phenomenal. They already do stuff for veterans. On Veterans Day, they eat for free at both locations. They give 10% off for all veterans when they come at both locations. Patrick's a veteran, so it's it's very close to the heart. So that's a wonderful program. They're also doing a guest chef takeover this Saturday, March 12th from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's Ali. He's a chef from Finland who has a barbecue spot in Finland called Miller's and he'll be doing a special dinner. We'll put a link below to order if you want to order ahead of time, but you could also order there. He'll be walking around talking about his meal. Super great experience. This is the very first one they're doing. So it's March 12th. So if you're listening to this on March 13th, then you've missed out. And I'll keep announcing them each month ahead of time. So if there is one that's coming up, I'll let you guys know ahead of time. They still do their steak dinners every Wednesday night, a different steak dinner, which is awesome. And a fun thing of this is that Erin talks about a wine that she says is the best barbecue pairing, the classic barbecue pairing. So you don't want to miss that. These are super fun. I don't want to get too long and involved with the intro because we have a very full episode coming up. But thanks so much for checking these out. Hope that this opens your mind to pairing barbecue with wine. I can't thank Aaron enough for doing these. And remember to stay safe and visit your local barbecue joint. Good afternoon, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. I always like to start these like mid laugh, it seems like, <laughs> but, but I'm always smiling when I talk to you. So this is great. So uh, this is episode two of Barbecue and Wine with uh, Aaron Fiedges and Kevin, guess Kevin Kelly, that's what, Kevin's Barbecue Joints. And so this is exciting. This is, we made it to episode two and episode one was fantastic. And I really, I appreciate you taking time. I'm glad we're doing this project. And a lot of people are really excited about this. I've talked to people and there's someone that's even, a, um, that's in the barbecue with us, a sommelier that she was excited that we're doing this. So oh, wow. excited to see, I think you might've met her, uh, Erica. Oh, Barbecue Blair. Yeah, Barbecue Blair. She, she was a sommelier. Oh. Did you know? We're buddies. Erica and I are like this. Yeah, We're, she's, she's um, awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. Let's talk. We, we talk about wine. We talk about things that are going on at your restaurant and pairings and things. And mm-hmm. today we have three wines, right? Yes. Yeah, we have three wines. Two what? of them are new to the list. Um, and then one of them is one that we've had since we opened. But it is the most classic, in my opinion, barbecue pairing that exists. Really? Okay, cool. Yeah. Do, do you want to jump into those? And then we can, we have a special guest too. That's a, I should probably, if I was smart about that, I'm going to, we have a special guest that's coming on our show. We're going to, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you might want to go jump to the YouTube version because it's nice to see, but we have Volker Donovan, uh, Donahem? Donovan. Donovan. See, I knew I'd butcher his name, but uh, he's, he's going to be on our show discussing his wine that is in your restaurant. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we're excited. So it's, and he's, he's originally from Austria and we'll be, if you guys check in to these episodes, we'll start to have guests and they will be either winemakers or producers or 
and some people probably from the the beer world as well. Mm-hmm. That's I think, correct. <laughs> I think we discussed that. Excellent. Well, excellent. So let's let's talk let's talk about wine, and then we'll bring Volker in. I'll we'll we'll notify him. Okay. Well, so I'm not going to talk too much about it because we'll have Volker talk about it. But we've got a Gruner Vetliner that we just added to the menu. But uh, I can go ahead and jump right into. This is the don't forget to don't forget to soar. This is from a Texas um, winery called Southhold. They were okay. originally located in the Finger Lakes region of New York. Okay. So I think most people are aware now that um, New York State produces wine, um, but but not everybody knows that, and it's like growing in popularity and growing in quality. And there's some really great stuff. They started there and then moved to. Fredericksburg in the Texas Hill Country. And I am absolutely obsessed with this wine, not just this wine, but the winery, the winemakers, the location. Um, like if I could re-envision my life, I would be them doing what they do. <laughs> oh, really? Can you <laughs> yes. describe it? Why is that? It's just, I, I think winemaking is probably the most fascinating yeah. job in the world. Uh, I feel like the way they do wine and the way they approach wine is exactly how I would want to do it. They're, you know, they, they're minimally hands-on, meaning they really try to let the grapes do what the grapes do and nature do what nature does and the climate do what climate does. Um, and that requires a lot of, uh, that actually requires more skill and technique, I think. And I love the wines they produce. Everything I've ever tried is just super delicious. This is the second vintage we've served. So we previously had it on the menu. It was the 2020. Um, it was a blend of Roussan and ooh, I think Gruner Vatliner, which, oh, okay. um, but we called it a white blend. Now this year, we just got this bottle. I mean, this was delivered like two days ago. It's not even printed on the menu yet. Um, you, ma- you mentioned them in the last episode and you were excited about this. is cool. I'm really excited. Okay. Ah. Excited. I didn't know when we were going to get it. That's the thing about um, 2022 in the, in the pandemic is it's knowing when stuff is going to arrive is very challenging right now. So when you run out and you're trying to get the replacement with the next vintage, a lot of the producers and people that we're working with are like, we don't know exactly when it's going to be in your hands. And so when this arrived, it was like Christmas, you know, yeah, we got our case. I don't even know the grapes specifically yet. They are labeling this a white blend. I would imagine it's probably a little bit of the same. So probably some Roussain and um, Gruner, but maybe not. Uh, So I'm going to find that out. Cool. I'm going to take, I'm going to taste it literally for the first time. Okay. Um, oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so it's a white blend. That's what we know. Let's see. I'm just obsessed. This is so clean and so pretty. It's got a lot of like good floral notes to it. I'm so excited about this wine. Like I can't, I'm not going to stop talking about it. And so it's, it's, so is it available yet or it will be on the list soon? Yeah, so we've got it. It's starting today. It's available. It will be printed on the menu starting tomorrow. Um, and I'll find out the grapes um, exactly, but it is very floral, very floral, very aromatic, beautiful notes. I think this is just a really easy drinking wine year round, cold weather, hot weather. It goes great with barbecue. Um, in my opinion, it goes great with barbecue because it's got, it's, I think it has a little bit more subtle notes to it which um sometimes that's actually a really good compliment to something that's really aggressive which in my opinion barbecue can be sometimes kind of aggressive right Mm. it's got that smoke forward quality to it so the wine is um you know sits down and kind of lets the barbecue shine but um the acidity is nice the structure is good i'm so excited to have it back that's awesome and and what's it called again so this is um the winemaker is southhold farm and cellars yeah and the wine is called Don't Forget to Soar. Don't this forget. is the 2021 vintage and it's so excited. <laughs> and do you think why do you think they do they name all their wines inspirational things or is it their winemaking oh. names are so clever. So a few that I can think of off the top of my head. One of my favorite red wine they have right now is called Therapy for Liars. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great name. They have another one called um high speed low drag so i could be mixing that up low drag high speed i can't remember no they're they're the names are very kind of whimsical and um tongue-in-cheek and just the winemaking i think is just it's some of the best winemaking i've 
pasted in Texas. Um, really excited to see where they go since they're fairly new here. So it's only going to get better. So Texas grapes, are they growing in Fredericksburg or? So they do grow some. Um, I think their some up in Lubbock, vineyard or? location is so young that I don't know that they're producing wines yet from their own grapes that ah, they're growing so, so. on premise. But all of the wines that they are making are from Texas grapes. So they're sourcing from um, William Chris, Robert Clay. I know they source some from the High Plains AVA, which is near Lubbock. So you were paying attention last time. Um, <laughs> and, right. but yeah, they're, so they're, I believe exclusively using Texas grapes. I could be wrong about that, but they do a really, really great job with how they're producing the wine. Um, and eventually I know they will be using grapes grown on their own property. And that's something that I think we touched on before, but it's not every wine, like winemaker is using their own grapes. It's that's actually probably happens less than it does happen more. You have to be a skilled winemaker to make a wine that Aaron Fee just likes. So <laughs> that says a lot. I, I trust your palate. And I think the people that listen to this trust your palate. And uh, yeah. that's if they want to learn more about your palate, they could watch our first episode and our first not episode, but our first uh, interview, because you talk about your, you know, your journey. So it's your palate has, you've had a chance to shape your palate, which is nice. A lot of people haven't necessarily. So that's cool. So, so that's yeah. the first, that's the first wine we're featuring. What's the second one? Okay. The second one is, this is the Cleto Chiarli Vecchio Medina. Um, it's a Lambrusco. The grape is Lambrusco de Sabara. It's a really, really interesting bottle. Um, so what's unique about this is this is the, this is a representation of the original bottle from 1892. It's really unusual. Um, so we'll definitely get you guys some images of what the bottle looks like up close. Um, but all I can say to those that aren't looking at it to describe it is it looks like what a wine bottle must've looked like, you know, back in like the 19th century. And, um, it's a really interesting way of opening a wine. It kind of looks um, like from, um, if I'm looking at it correctly, it looks like, the, like, yeah, they got being split. The cork is like cut, yeah. like, well, not cut, but it's, it's bisected. It is. Uh, and then it's being held in by this little cage. That's kind of unique. I've never seen another bottle that looks like no. this, um, but this must've been classic from back in that time period. And so um, training our staff to open this bottle, they were originally like so nervous. It's like a lot of them weren't really comfortable opening wine period. Um, but then you hand them something that's unusual and they were like, what do I do with this? Um, <laughs> But so I'm here to open it. So yeah, that's cool. I just put the wine key right underneath and then pop it off. Yep. Oh, and wow. then this is, yeah, this is what it looks like. Here, okay, there, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, like once it's off. Like almost like a bracket or a... Yeah. Well, and then from here, it's champagne, right? This is under a lot of pressure. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Lambrusco. Yeah. Um, see, see, so... If you're watching this or listen, you don't always have to just like have it, have your thumbs and shoot the cork into yeah. the. <laughs> don't shake it. Don't shake it up and then point it at your, yeah. you know, at your husband, unless you want to. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's part of it. Yeah, part of the, the fun of the evening. But it's, I think that's something that uh, a lot of people are, are also scared about opening bottles of champagne for some reason. Like they haven't, they'll, they'll give it to somebody else to open. And a lot of times you even just take a towel and put it over if you're concerned. Oh. Yeah. And I mean, I always tell, this is what I tell my staff because they seem so nervous about doing bottle presentation and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? There's in wine, there is a very clear right way to do things, but there is not a very clear wrong way to do things. So don't try to be right and just try to do what you're comfortable with. And most likely it's not wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and really the, at the end of the day, wine is meant to be enjoyed. And so as long as you get the bottle open, you've, you know, you've done what you set out to do. Um, yes, and yeah, so, uh, they're all getting, they all actually enjoy opening the Cleto Chiarly now because they know how to do it. And it's kind of fun and different. Um, and people haven't seen it. So it's probably fun for people to see them do that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just such an interesting, I, I just love the way that they are kind of like, the ode to history that goes into this particular bottle. Um, really cool. This is the most classic barbecue pairing, in my opinion. There is no better barbecue pairing ah. than this Lambrusco. Um, 
So we can talk a little bit yeah, about let's it. Let's talk about the grape. Yeah. And then we'll talk about that one in particular. Yeah. So um, the grape is Lambrusco de Sobrara. Lambrusco in general um, is, can be a number of different grapes in the Lambrusco family. Lambrusco is the name of the wine, but it's also the name of the grape. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where like old world wine uh, wine labels and wine names are so much more confusing than new world. So we think of Lambrusco, um, you think that's the name of the wine. It's the name of the grape, um, but there's different Lambruscos. So we're, ours is Lambrusco de Sobrara, 100% uh, in this bottle. This is what they call frizzante. So it's not sparkling, but it does have a little bit of that sparkling quality to it. Um, and it is held under pressure, which you can see like the um, it opens a little bit like a champagne bottle would open. You can't put the cork back in because the cork is, you know, so it's too big to stick back in the bottle. So really, really cool. Um, Lambrusco got a really, really bad rap uh, in like it? the 70s and 80s. You remember um, kind of like a, the table wine that you would get at the grocery store that was in the basket? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so there was Chianti, which also got a bad rap during that time period, but Lambrusco as well, because people were selling a lot of really bad Lambrusco. They were, you know, it was really sweet. It just wasn't made uh-huh. to the quality of what um, this glass would, would, would indicate. And so sometimes when we're talking about Lambrusco, people are just kind of like, what? Like, oh, I had that stuff. It was like Kool-Aid. <laughs> this is not that. This is amazing. It's really, really delicious. It's, um, I would describe it as dry. There's a touch of residual sugar, but we're not talking a sweet wine by any means. It's a beautiful, the color is just kind of like this. It almost looks like a Negroni. It's got this like orangish red color to it with just a little bit of um, a bubble. And it's, it's really nice to drink. And I can't exactly explain why this is like the number one barbecue pairing in the world. All I can say is every time I take a sip of it, I think that would be so good with a piece of salami or a slice of brisket. It's a, it's a meat drink. I mean, it really just kind of like so it lends, itself, brain. It lends itself to that for sure. A hundred percent. And I actually opened this like six years ago at the barbecue festival, everybody had their beers and they were drinking beers in the tent. And I was like, who wants Lambrusco? <laughs> and I opened it up and I, Blood Brothers were sitting next to us and Regals and Papa Charlie's. So Jim um, and Wes were there. And I just poured this for as many people were, you know, that would let me. And everybody was just like, this is awesome. This is such, this is so good. Wow, that's great. So, so is this something that are you seeing a lot of people gravitate towards this or is this something that you have to kind of tell people, Hey, you know, you should, you should give this a shot. And then of course they would like it, but. A little bit of both. I think some people um, it's, it's under our menu as a sparkling wine, but it is also a rosé. And I think that sells itself to some extent, like those two categories combined sparkling rosé is um, that's an easy target. Uh, but I also think there are people that are starting to know the secret. You know, there are people that come in and say, oh yeah, like I've heard that this is a great barbecue wine and they order it. Also, I think our staff is really excited about it. And so they have fun selling it, but Lambrusco is still, I think, relatively unknown to the consumer. Um, I also think it has a bad rep. So you're kind of, it's an uphill battle trying to convince people that this is one of like the a really good quality wine and that they should try it. Um, so it's a little bit of both. It's like a fun challenge. It's a fun challenge on our menu. Yeah. And I, and I think I'll, I'll mention it at the beginning of this, that this is that we're going to be talking about wines and I'll try to reiterate with this, with uh, promoting this to let people know that this that we're going to talk about wines that work really well with barbecue because I don't feel like anybody's talking about that. I think that's something that it, people maybe know that wines pair, but this sounds like the ideal. And, you know, when you sent me, when we were talking about this, like prep, kind of prepping for this, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that in such a long time. I had to, I had to research it and I haven't had a Lemberso in, in ages. Uh, it's been, I think I probably snuck I... one, snuck one off of like a, a table as a kid or something like that's probably all I'm going to ship you a bottle. Okay. It's so good. It's so good. I'm going to make sure that you get this. Do you think this will be something that'll list? Like, will you have enough through the summer? Is this good? you're going to be replenishing this? Is this something specifically? Okay. This is something that I imagine will always be available yeah. and on our menu. Um, okay. 
and we talk a little bit about like vintage variation and things changing from year to year. This is not that wine. This wine will taste how it should, you know, how you taste it one year is how okay. it's going to taste the next year. So that kind of reliable favorite. Um, I've been drinking this wine for, you know, eight years now and love it. It tastes the same um, every time. And I can appreciate that about it. Um, so I'm not, I'm not always a snob when it comes to these things. But um, this is also a wine that has a lot of respect with people in the wine industry. So when you go to Rosie Cannonball and places in Houston that have um, just phenomenal wine lists, you'll see this on the menu. Um, they'll be talking about it, promoting it, and you know, really kind of showing that they think it's a great quality wine. And to me, that just kind of reinforces that like, we have this wine on our menu that's also on uh, uh, the menu at a restaurant that has a huge yeah. and flawless wine reputation. So like, this is a, when could we ever say that before in barbecue? Never, never. And, and that's also something too that I want people to get out of this is that I want people to come and, and if they don't know wine that well, ask your staff and say, surprise me with something or, or I'm going to be ordering this. This is, that would be, I, I want that to be something that becomes part of a norm thing that we're not just, now, six months, month, but now we're, when we're doing this, it's not that we're not trying to tell people to do this. They are doing this as much as, and it sounds like they slew, like it's what you've created, Aaron, it's like the toot your own horn, like not to toot your, it's, is that what you've created, Aaron, is something that um, is, is really special because it gives people an opportunity to expand their horizons with different wines. And there's going to be certain wines that'll always be under this and ones that'll change because you've run out of it and moved on to yeah. their other vintage or that's, Ah, I, I'm really excited about this. Like I'm more excited than even when you emailed me about it. And it's, and it's, it's, it's interesting if I'll put a link below to a story that I was reading about Limbrusco because it's a, it's a fa fascinating story about the, the, the grape itself. And then the many different types of varieties of that grape. That's sort of mm -hmm. the, is that, am I saying it correctly? Is that what yeah. it is? Oh, it's like oh, a family uh. tree. Okay. So, um, there's the family tree and then it branches off, right? Yeah. So the Lambrusco grapes are all part of the same family tree and they have the same origins. Gotcha, um, and there's all... other wines that are like that, that are part of the same family tree. They don't all have similar names like the Lambrusco varieties, which is what you call the, the different grapes, but the varieties in Lambrusco usually all have the name starting with Lambrusco. So okay. it's easy to know they're in the same right. family. Not all grapes are like that. Some of them have very different names, but they are of the same family tree and have the same like ancestral lineage. Excellent. Well, that's good for people to know if they're in Boise, Idaho, listening to this and they're not going to <laughs> visit your restaurant. I want them to be able to go to a wine shop and then you know, be able to purchase it and, and try it themselves. And if you do yeah. and, and you're and you want to make a comment below or email either, either of us and let us know what you thought, that would be great too, because uh, I want to spread the love of, of wine and uh, and get people to you know drink more <laughs> carefully, safely, <laughs> responsibly. Safely, yeah. I guess that's a word I should say, responsibly. Do you think uh, Volker is ready to jump in? Oh yeah, I think Volker is ready. I'm ready to start tasting his wine too. All right, excellent. All right, let's uh, patch Volker in right now. Volker, very nice to meet you. Can very nice to meet you as well. We're so excited. So Vocal, you are our first guest uh, appearance on our second episode <laughs> of the yeah, Wine and Barbecue podcast. So I'm going to just quickly introduce you. So guys, we have Volker Donovan with us. Um, he is a Houston resident. Uh, he is also a Spring Branch resident. So we're very close by in the neighborhood. And we've just added, <laughs> the purpose of, our, of the podcast is to talk about some of the new wines at Fugis Barbecue. So um, this is very apropos. We just added um, a wine that Volker is going to talk about that's um, very, very closely connected to, to Volker. It's a Gruner Vet liner. Um, and so I, I can't do any of it justice. I'm going to go ahead and, um, and have you, Volker, start talking about you and your wine history and, yeah. and the wine itself. <laughs> yeah. So and then I've got a test at the end of this, by the way. Uh, oh, okay, good. A, a, test, test, for, for a test for me or for Volker? Okay. A test for Volker. <laughs> oh, for me. Okay. Right, good. Thank you. So <laughs> I I grew up in Austria in a small town about 80 kilometers west of Vienna on the beautiful Blue Danube. Not that blue anymore, but my whole family's been there for over 400 years and on the family winery for like 250 years and wow. change something. But yeah, I basically grew up in winemaking. I worked several harvests all over the world in 
different wine regions, like from New Zealand to Canada, France. And then in 2012, I basically settled down in New York and started working for wine import company. I worked ah. there for two, yeah, it was uh, eight, eight and eight years, eight and a half years in New York City. So and that's then, a little different than Austria, but I guess you had moved around a lot. So. Yeah, I moved around for like six, seven years before I moved to New York. But yeah, totally different. Uh, New York City's population is the same than Austria's. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I, I, I'm just curious because I don't talk to many Austrians. What was it like growing up and what was it like growing up in a wine family? That's a very special thing. Yeah, I mean, you grew up with wine I and mean, you have your first wine at a pretty young age when you don't drink it. I mean, it's kind of like it's in the culture. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody drinks wine, but I also have a, a lot of siblings. I have seven brothers and a sister. So it's uh -huh. so where I mean it was very interesting to grow up with that many siblings and a yeah. small winery, and we were basically always outside, like playing in the in the vineyards and like also helping pick grapes, the harvest during harvest time. And do you get a um, chance to go back often? I mean, pre-COVID, I went back four times a year for business and also like seeing family. Yeah, yeah, but I haven't been back in two plus years last trip was like exactly over two years ago february wow. 2020 or something yeah hopefully you'll get a chance to go back soon that's a... oh yeah <laughs> the next trip is the first trip is planned for may so oh good let's, okay let's hope it's gonna happen <laughs> so how did you yeah. where did you go from new york did you go to california from new york uh, i mean i always went back and forth but actually my first overseas harvest was in california i worked in 2006 for Rosenblum in Alameda. Oh. Do you remember that winery? I don't know <laughs> if this, yeah, probably still around, but yeah. I think but, they are. Yeah. Aaron not wines. <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, know, okay. actually. <laughs> <All right. laughs> not, not, not wines we drink now, so. <laughs> I'll put a note below. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, but no, live in New York, I always went back and forth to work because we worked also with a lot of uh, domestic producers in New York. And still do actually here in Texas as well. How, but, how, did, uh, how did you end up in Houston? Then I I saw so, that said that. So I ended up in Houston. That's a, yes. that was the last part of that bio that I read. <laughs> so my wife Sarah and I met in uh, New York. Mm. So we met. She grew up in Kingwood and relocated. Uh, moved here in 2018, ah. like August of 2018. So we've been longer in the pandemic now since we're back or here in Houston then. <laughs> it's a great yeah. place to it's a great place to get stuck. <laughs> yeah 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 so that's kind of ideal. How what, what, when did you guys meet in 2019? The two of us? Yeah. No, we no. met we met like two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah because we have a, a little son and we didn't I didn't really do tastings during COVID. It was just too risky. I actually just started like two months ago. Okay like doing tastings again with clients. So Volker, um, I, so we, we have a small wine list as we've talked about on previous mm. podcasts. And so we're really always trying to keep the number of vendors that we work with low so that we can give each vendor adequate business. And so um, early on when we opened, I started getting email addresses from, uh, or emails from Volker. And I wasn't super familiar with, um, him or you know his wine business but um, I saw them coming in and then one day he stopped me and said hi I'm Volker I immediately connected him to the emails I was getting and I was like oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I'm just we're so busy and also you know we're we're really trying to to keep our our wine menu down but he was so friendly and we had a lot of fun chatting and so I said okay let's taste some wine so we set up a, a time and and I'm telling you, like, we've tasted some really good stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm convinced we're adding your wine. To the <laughs> That's awesome. That's nice. Yeah. Let's yeah, show well, first tasting, I think we tasted like 16 wines or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's you nice. know, but we spit all of it out. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. So the wine that we just added to the list is the, the Gruner Vetliner. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the Gruner and how, like, how did you select this grape? Obviously, it's pretty um, common in Austria, but how did you settle on this? I mean, I spent, I mean, growing up, so Grunewitliner is a native Austrian grape and also the most planted uh, grape in Austria. It's white. A lot of people like 
I mean, the, the taste sometimes is kind of like Sauvignon Blanc, but usually it has like this white pepper notes, apricots, oh. stone fruit. But my idea was to have Grüne Veltliner, easy drinking with like low alcohol, higher acidity. So like something very fresh. So people have a second and a, maybe a third class yes. and don't start with the first one. So that was that's the whole idea. Too. <laughs> yeah, so because ah. it is is a very uh, easy drinking white wine. So how much, in, how much input then do you have? Are you, I mean, pre COVID I went back four times and always like helped like with different steps. Okay. But I haven't been back. So I'm doing, I'm making this one with a friend of mine and uh, she's basically doing the whole process now until I'm able to travel again. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, were you just trying it just now? Yeah. And I got my little spit cup. <laughs> This is not from the exact same. Is this from the same estate that your family does their winemaking from? No. So we actually purchase uh, the grapes this summer from my friend's uh, vineyard and we'll buy a couple tons of grapes as well. I mean, the total production is now like eight, 900 cases, but it's only sold here in the States, mostly actually. I work now in like 15 different states. No, it's not. I. So my family's business is a winery. My oldest brother owns that and he runs it. It's completely separate. Yeah. Okay. So is this, but yeah. is this similar to a style that you... Yeah. The, yes. So the Grunewitliner, these, like the entry levels are pretty uh, similar styles, like fresh wines. How was that when you decided to start that up here? Was that a challenge or is that something... Or was I mean, this it a takes challenge a... you're excited about? I mean, it's, I feel like to introduce new wines uh, is always a little challenging. I mean, the, the wine needs to be good, but it's uh, the first couple of years was <laughs> Aaron keeps drinking. <laughs> yeah, for those listening on the podcast, Aaron just took another sip. <laughs> it's good. But, I can tell you that it's good. But yeah, I love champagne and the kind of like the champagne is also like easy drinking. Mm -hmm. You have a second glass. So that was like, oh, we... I always want to have something like, well, it's not, not sparkling, but it's like you want a second and a third glass. So this is just it's one grape, right? Just one grape. And I just have this one wine I make with a friend. Everything else is like different wineries I import. Ah, okay, okay. Wow. So, that's, yeah. so, this, so, this is a, so this is kind of a nice thing to have. Is this, this is the only, I imagine this is the only barbecue spot that has your wine. Yeah. <laughs> it is are you guys planning to expand and do more wines in the future uh not at the moment i just want to stick with the one and and focus on that one here's an odd question then and i don't know if i'll necessarily i can edit this out how did you guys try 16 16 wines if there's if you're so those are the other wines are ones that you represent correct yes in your portfolio okay okay that yes okay all right yeah so my main business is I'm importing wine and selling them to restaurants. So I have uh, Lo-Fi. Do you know Lo-Fi? They're from Santa Barbara County. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But their eyes represent them in Texas. Oh, okay. okay. For example. So I have uh, uh, those wines and then I have uh, several. Most of my portfolio is like biodynamically and organically certified. Was well, not the focus, but those are the wines I love. So yeah. do you focus on specific wine regions as well? No. Okay, so all no. over. All over. I have wines from Washington State. I have wines from Michigan. Yeah, amazing. Can we taste one? I don't think I we did. I don't think I've ever had. I think we did. Yeah, I would remember. I've never had a wine from Michigan, um, yeah. but I have had wines from Indiana and, and like similar regions yeah. that are surprisingly really good. Um, I've never I'll seen come them by with them in the market. Okay. <laughs> I mean, those guys make Riesling and uh, Gamay, so like colder climate varietals, but the wine's are incredible. Yeah. How awesome. I love the fact that like over the last maybe decade or a little bit longer, how so many different states now have their own little pockets or their own little wineries. Yeah. It's, yeah, but, it, it, but it wasn't something make uh, 50 years ago. You wouldn't have seen that at all. <laughs> yeah. But people, I think people just became industrious and I guess that's the way for a lot of different things, but I love it with wine. And that's so, so other, other do you have other wines than, and other, other wines on your list that are from Volker or, or just that one? For now, it's just this one because we have, we do have such a small list, yeah, but yeah. Um, no, I mean, 
we plan on tasting together again. So if there's an opportunity to add more um, of his portfolio, we certainly will. Um, I enjoyed a lot of the wines that we tasted. Um, and we, we would laugh about this. Like I have a really specific idea of what I want for the restaurant. And then I have a really specific idea of what I like and everything that we tasted. I'm like, I love this. I want this for my house. Um, but yeah. I, don't know if it'll, I don't know if it's going to be the, the, the perfect fit for the restaurant. And yeah. so it's always kind of trying to find that, that balance. But, um, I definitely think that the, I don't, okay. So now I know I've, I've been saying Gruner Vetliner the wrong way forever. It's like, it's like my first name. So. Yeah. Well, it's, you say it and it flows so easily out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gruner Vetliner. Okay. Well, but well, it's, it's, it's so perfect for our menu and it's very popular. We've been selling it for a few weeks now and it's one of our top selling white wines. Like that. And what would yeah. what, what are people are people just getting it as a nice drinking wine? Are people getting it to pair with certain things? Or are you recommending it with certain things? Um, we I, people are getting it as a nice drinking wine. I think it's it's a recognizable enough um, varietal, and so that that helps us sell it. But also, as uh, Volker has mentioned, it's just a really easy to drink wine. So if we pour a sip of it, they always buy it because it's really good. Um, it's super approachable. And it's really refreshing, even though it's cold outside for us right now in Texas, people, I think, are always looking for something refreshing. Mm -hmm. And something they could drink every day. And it's something also, too, you have the opportunity to buy a bottle, right, from you? We always encourage the bottle, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's good. And, and maybe we'll do something like if they're listening and they order and they mention it, then we'll mention them on the air. The people will like, uh, I'll keep a list or I'll keep a running list of, uh, of fans that have listened to this and then choose to order it. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll try to do something in the intro to kind of push that. I love that. Maybe someday we'll that. do like a little contesty thing, but that would, or some kind of <laughs> giveaway. Anything specific about the wine, Volker, that you would want people to know about? I mean, the, wine, the grapes are organic, uh, coming from organic certified vineyard. Explain a little bit about what makes grapes organic and biodynamic because I think um, a lot of the listeners are probably interested it's not super it's not as straightforward as one might think I think the easiest thing is that they don't use uh, much chemicals in the uh, vineyards or like like biodynamic certified winers I think the only thing they use is sulfites but it's basically also like a natural product mm -hmm. and nothing else really so all the wines are basically natural of like spontaneous ferment. That means they don't, the fermentation starts with the ambient yeast from the wine cellar and uh, from the grapes. So they don't add uh, cultured yeast to start oh. the fermentation. Just like a more environmental friendly way to make your fermentations or start mm -hmm. the fermentation. What do they use for, to, for, to keep away pests? And th I, I think I've read certain things about in the Santa Barbara region or something like this. There's some also, there's some kind of funky things that they do. I'm try, I'll try to remember what they are, but it's like they bury certain things in the dirt and they do some sort of, like, right, have you heard that stuff? Oh, oh you mean like uh, with, uh, they make like different kind of fertilizers, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. for the vineyards and the different uh, spraying uh, things for the vineyards, but everything is like basically made from the vineyard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing, no chemicals at all. No. And most of the wineries I work with, they also don't irrigate. So they don't use, uh, there might be like one domestic one who irrigates the vineyards, but everybody else just uses whatever the nature gives them. So I've been yes. making wine like in the Austria's in those regions for like 300 years. So the, yeah. the vines are used to that climate. Mm -hmm. So one thing I explain to our staff, because they don't really understand what it means when I say there's low intervention or um, the hands-off winemaking, it doesn't mean as much to them. So I always try to say, if you drink a wine and it tastes the same every year, year after year, um, nature didn't make it that way, right? Um, nature creates chaos. Nature creates um, diversity. Yeah. So in order for you to have a wine that tastes the exact same and it's tasted that way for 20 years, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of meddling. There's a lot of things that go in. There's they're watering because they need to make sure that it's consistent with years past. They're they're doing everything throughout the winemaking process to create consistency, right? 
So what Volker is saying is that he works with people that are pretty hands-off, that allow nature to determine how much water the grapes are going to get. And when the, the um, yeast is going to be introduced and fermentation is going to start. And so it, what it does is it creates these beautiful wines, but they're characteristically very different from yeah, vintage yeah. to vintage, and um, which is great, but not good if you're somebody who's really expecting the same thing. So I love a lot of vintage variation. We work with producers like who um, Volker works with that do more limited production and are a little bit hands-off. And when we get the new vintage, I have to retrain my staff because sometimes I'm like, this is same grape, same producer, yeah. but it's not the same wine. And, and here, yeah. you know, and it's so cool for them to learn this because I think it really creates this like connection to we have the ability to manipulate as much as we want to, but if you were to just let nature do what nature does, like this is what was created. This is, you know, this is what we get. And I think there's a lot of really good winemaking talent um, that shows through when you don't have as much intervention because you are relying so much on instinct and what they know. And, um, and if you can still create a beautiful wine without really manipulating it, like you're, you're good at what you do. Yeah. I mean, uh, my harvest and I think it was 2009 in New Zealand, we made Sauvignon Blanc. I don't know how many, I think we crushed 50 or 60 tons, like in like a week or so. It's like insane. Yeah. The, the, wow. Basically, the dump truck comes and dumps grapes every hour into a huge receiving bin. But those wines are made with a recipe, so every vintage tastes the same. Yeah, it's and it's and, it because because people expect it to, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like always the in the Zealand so when you blow. <laughs> I think this is the last time I had one actually. <laughs> Like chances are that's one like you like there's one yeah there are people that are buying a lot of times off like a retail shelf and expecting yeah. to have have it yeah. the same thing but I like I like the that that changes like flavor profile and depth of character year to year I think yeah. that's nice but does it make is that interesting for you as a representative that must be interesting because you're selling a new wine every even though it's the same maker. I mean, I don't, there's, I know that from my other importers, they retaste every vintage before I buy, they buy them, but I trust my producers and I always buy the new vintages, but I'm always like, I mean, sometimes I'm surprised like how different, I mean, sure, I mean, the, the climates, you know, like last year was pretty warm vintage. So there's a, a, a little bit higher, just a tiny bit high in alcohol. But it was like less the city. So that's probably the main things would change like from year to year. So the sparking wines, if you harvest them earlier too, it's always interesting to see what the difference is with the highest city and like for the pet nuts, the ones you, you love so much. Here. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that, that that's interesting. I think that a lot of people that are listening, they don't think about it as much. It's not something that they think day to day. So I'm glad you're yeah. up there. That's that's interesting. Yeah, it is a it is a, a natural product. Well, let's say most of the wines are. Uh, what what information should we give? Some information as to if people want to look at your website and learn more about your product. Is what's is it? Is it Volkerwines.com? It's a uh, Volker Volker Wines works so Volkerwineco.com. Code. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll put, I'll put a link and I'll try to be fancy and maybe put it on this too. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. Thanks. So we've got, before we go, we've got one quick test for Volker. When, mm. um, when I was tasting with him, I said, we have to, we do, all of our wines are available by the glass. And it's really important that the wine is structured in a way that it can be opened and then still taste good on day three, taste as good on day three as it did when you opened it. And, and he swore left and right that the Gruner was going to be that wine. And so the bottle that I have in front of me was opened um, four days ago and I'm drinking it and he passes oh, awesome. the test. Oh, it thank still you. Tastes, um, and, and I actually had them hold it. Like I had them put this aside for me just to make sure that I had an aged wine and I, that I wasn't opening a fresh bottle and trying to make this test happen. So this is four days old. It's, super crisp super clean super delicious um and that's that's hard i mean that four days is a lot on a bottle of wine so that's impressive it works very well for our list that's amazing i have one of my producers hager who makes also biodynamic wines but his gruner always like it's every day and like when i kept it like for five days in the fridge and gets better and better 
That's a it's test. A pretty that's, cool that's a, thing. Uh, yeah, that doesn't happen often. I, I don't think yeah. I've had many there. So, <laughs> so that's good for people to know. If they, if they buy a bottle of wine at Fuji's, then they take it home. And if they, they don't have to finish it all, unless they right. really want to that evening, they can Correct. wait. <laughs> they can take a day off and then drink the rest. Uh, well, thank you so much, Volker, for coming on for being our first guest and thank for you so explain, much. explaining so much. And it's, it's a, it's yeah, it's interesting what you're doing. And I hope you do get a chance to go in May back to your family that would be yeah i nice hope so too awesome thanks so much thank you thank have a you. great rest. that was fun that was nice to have our first guest what do you think of that i thought it was great i mean he like i just love hearing people talk about their own products because mm -hmm. there's no way i could do it justice like like he's going to do it justice and also as we learned you know i'm going to never pronounce things correctly <laughs> hopefully our audience can be um sympathetic to that because that's i I, I refuse to apologize for it because it's just going to happen. But um, it's so beautiful to hear him say it in his accent um, yeah. and pronounce everything correctly. Yeah, the fact that he grew up in a wine family and it's 200 year old, that's 200, not, they're not 200 years old as people, but they're, then it goes back 200 years. That's something that you and I, many people listen to this have never had that. So it's, yeah, and he's so knowledgeable. And the fact that he's making a wine that you love, that's killer. That's fun. And that, yeah. And that they, it's like, it's a, in the synergy, the fact that you guys met happenstance and now it's like not happenstance. He had even email you. Know, that's no, this is really cool. This no, is still, yeah. Still happenstance. I think that my favorite thing about cooking my favorite thing about barbecue and my favorite thing about wine is that it brings people together. And the way sure. I met Volker and the way this wine, you know, came to be on our menu, I feel like it's just really organic and is a testament to how much all those things bring people together. Mm -hmm. that, that's, what, that's what this is about. That's what your restaurants about that's what hopefully the show is about and, and in general it's just we all need especially with covid and everything that's happened and the, the craziness in the world is that we need to be uh you know closer as people and to be understanding and and kin, kinship and and that you've created a restaurant where people can hang out and really enjoy mm -hmm. themselves and, and do you find people i was curious do you find people after they're done with their meal ordering more wine and hanging out is that happening a lot the, uh, the afternoon crowd, definitely. Um, I think that they come in, you know, they order food, but I think they come in to enjoy a glass of wine and catch cool. up with a friend. Um, and they hang out, they're here for a while. They get, you know, more than one glass. And, um, uh, it's, it's just like really fun to watch, especially in a barbecue restaurant. It's yeah. like, it just, it, it, the visual of it is really, you know, amazing. You make, you make moving to the spring ranch or outer areas so much more interesting to someone like me because i'm like ah i can just come over and have some wine have a little barbecue or have a lot like it's just such a right. have a friend and chat with a friend that would be cool excellent so then also too we've so we so those are the three wines that we're covering and we'll put i'll put i'll get photos from you we'll have those in the montage if you're watching on the youtube version and i'll have links below to all the all the different wines uh and then also link to your menu with the, where the wines reside so people can see the full list. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, you guys have a uh, guest chef takeover coming up. Yes. So we are fortunate to have met a, a friend of ours. His name is Aki Kinunen. He's from Finland and he came and stayed with us. Well, he emailed us about coming to Stage. He'd, he'd asked to Stage for like eight weeks and we didn't know anything about him. And we were really hesitant to agree. And so we were like, you can come for like a couple days. And that was February of 2020. And we walked in, he was, he showed up at 5am. And so I get, I get to the kitchen at eight and he's this massive Viking. I mean, his physical presence is just, you know, like caught me off guard. And, um, but he would, you know, had a bus tub over his shoulder and was just working away, said hi. He was the nicest, um, just the nicest guy. And so we, you know, we worked with him for the three days. Our whole team fell in love with him. We fell in love with him. We were taking him out to get crawfish. We were like, you got to go to the rodeo. <laughs> we, we totally okayed him staying for as long as he wanted. We were like three days. Why not eight weeks? Like you're great. Uh, it's such a hard worker. And the reason he was here was he wanted to do, um, you know, he wanted to go back to Finland and open a Texas barbecue restaurant. So it was like uh. a research trip. And I honestly think he'd reached out to a lot of people and just no one, no one opened their doors to him. And we were the only people that, that said, yeah, you know, come hang out with us for a few days. You know, of course we all know what happened in March of 2020. So what was supposed to be a long trip full of experiences um, in Texas barbecue became a very short trip 
Um, but it was long enough for us to really create a relationship with him. And he told us this year he wanted to come back and he's been in town for, I think almost eight weeks now. Um, he spent a little bit of time with us this time. Um, you know, we, we got to, we got to do what we were hoping to do with him last time, which is set him up with some other people. So he spent time with Evan Leroy. He spent time with the blood brothers. Uh. He spent time with Koi barbecue. Um, he is now currently in, um, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Like he's literally living it up right now. Having, having the most amazing barbecue experiences, um, and creating a lot of really great relationships. But when he first got here, we'd said, you know, we were talking about what do we want to do to kind of celebrate him being here and his restaurant is now open in Finland. So it's Texas barbecue. It's called Miller's barbecue. And, um, I mean, they're just killing it. Cause you know, there's only one, maybe two places in Finland doing Texas barbecue. And, and the phenomenon that is Texas barbecue has literally transcended the entire globe. Mm -hmm. People in Finland, they, he doesn't need to explain what it is. They know. They How come wild for is that it. now? Yeah. That's amazing. They come for it. Now, they may not have experienced it before, but like they know what it is. They're excited to try it. It could be a whole podcast just trying to talk to you about how hard it is to get brisket in Finland. But um, but we were like, let's do this guest chef series. So the the concept is he's creating a dish. It's going to be available on Saturday, March 12th from five to nine. You can pre-order it. I can send you the link for that. Perfect, yeah. um, so you can pre-order it. Uh, you don't have to, but that just kind of guarantees that you're going to get to try it. Otherwise, there's no reservations or anything required. Um, you show up on Saturday, March 12th, between five and nine. And if you've pre-ordered your dish, then you get, you, you're you guaranteed to get it. You can order other things as well. I also have a, a wine pairing that I'm really excited about um, that we haven't announced. So this will be the first time I announce it. It's okay. the La Lune, the La Lune uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, it's a California wine. I think Costa Brava is the specific wine region in okay. California yeah. and so excited to put the, to put his dish with that bottle of wine. It's just going to be a lot of fun, kind of casual because we're not a, a high end restaurant. So it's not going to be like a lot of pretense involved, but, but Aki is going to be going around. If you order the dish, he's going to come talk to you. There's going to be a little bit of uh, interaction involved. I with love him. that. Yeah. And we really just wanted to do this to celebrate him and to get him out there so that like all the people in barbecue in Houston, I think are really kind of catching on to who he is because we've been posting a lot about him in the past couple of weeks. Um, but we want the diners to get to experience that as well. Um, and then if you're ever in Finland, obviously you've got to yeah. hit up his restaurant, but no, we're, we're really excited to do that. It'll be our first one. We've been talking about doing them for a while. COVID's kind of always yeah, I think you had mentioned that you want, is this is something Yeah. Kind of, yeah, but it's a, but also you was something you had talked about wanting to do this. And I cannot imagine kicking off this series with like a better chef. Um, and and what a cool experience to get this chef from all the way across the yeah. world. Yeah, how um, yeah, how often are you going to try something and then actually get to interact with one with him? And then I'll put links below to all of his stuff. And I would like to start following the, and promote because then if you go to if you're going to Finland or in, <laughs> you're gonna be near Finland, yeah. you're gonna be near Finland, then you should stop. Right. But that's really, <laughs> I think everyone should go to. I want to go to Finland, so that's no, cool. we're going, we're going. We don't have the tickets yet, but Patrick and I are going. Okay. We are going to go and we're going to do a sauna. That's a sauna, but they say it better than we do. And they're like the, they're like the inventors of the sauna. Uh, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to eat barbecue. I think everyone should sauna, sauna more. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's actually be every, that's my dream too. That's wonderful. That's, oh, that's cool. So that's what it is. Okay. That's, so that's on the 12th from five to nine, yes. you'll send me the link, but people go, I'm sure you'll start have you promoted it at all? If, I know it's on your website, but have you guys started to put, have you made the link live yet or is it? It has, it's live. We've only put it in the newsletter. We have not put it on social media yet. Um, we've just had a lot of other things okay. to promote. Um, so it's coming, it's going to be available on social media soon with live links um, that you can access there as well. Cool. And then, yeah, and then that also lends to the fact that people should sign up for your newsletter to get a, the extra scoop to to see that is, that is <laughs> correct you should all be signing up for the fugis barbecue newsletter go to yeah. our website and subscribe yeah because not every place has a newsletter and man, that was cool okay cool that's awesome and then before we we forget i want to talk about your veterans program that you're doing the fridays the the whole thing yes. can, you, can you talk to that's it's very powerful yeah so it's incredible we um we 
have always wanted to support veterans. Uh, originally, we were offering a ten dollar discount, or sorry, ten percent discount to all veterans. We still do that at both locations any day of the week if we're open. Veterans get ten percent off. Um, during COVID, we had a friend of ours reach out and say, "Hey, I want to do something, and I think you guys are the right place to do it. I'd like to buy veteran meals um, periodically." And so we talked about it for a while and settled on doing it every Friday, which I thought was incredibly generous. Um, And it it started out slow and it grew. And, um, you know, word of mouth is challenging with veteran news because they're not all on our newsletter or, you know, all the ways in which we reach out to people. We just weren't really like getting the word out with the right audience. And, but it did start growing as one veteran would show up, they'd bring three the next week. And like, so it's, it's grown and it's beautiful. And um, our, you know, our relationship with the original person who had the idea and was basically funding all of this, um, it just had expired. Like he fulfilled the commitment and was incredibly generous. And I was planning to let veterans know like, hey, we're going to do this for one more Friday, but, you know, but we're wrapping it up. Thank you so much for your service. And that was last Friday that I was going to be there doing that. And the first group of people that showed up, they showed up in uniform we talked to them for a little bit um, because we weren't super busy yet. And I started having a lot of doubts about ending it. And then the next guy that showed up had his four-year-old daughter with him and was explaining, you know, what it means to be a veteran. And, you know, oh my gosh, it just like made me. So I was just so energized. Like we cannot stop doing this. We have got to find a way to keep this going. And I, you know, we put it in our newsletter and we started getting a lot of people reaching out saying, I want to do this. I want to, you know, donate. And then I got emotionally overtaken by just how generous people are. And so I posted about how overwhelmed I was with people's, you know, generosity. And then that led to even more donations. And so I am super proud to announce that we've raised enough to keep Veteran Fridays going for what we estimate is going to be 42 weeks. Oh my um, Lord. That is almost a year. I had no goal when we started this three days ago. Um, I, I hadn't thought about that how much is... we wanted to raise. I just wanted to keep it going for as long as possible. And now we're so close to a year. So I've like obviously gravitated towards a year as the goal. So 52 weeks, um, we're so close. And I think we'll definitely get there. So, how, so the what's way... the best way to, yeah, to donate? Yeah, so I, um, I did some research and I wasn't really fond of going like the GoFundMe route because you, know, you lose like 3%. And um, I wasn't sure how it would be as a business to like be receiving funds that way. So we are doing it all through gift cards. So I can get you guys a link. Um, like, you yeah. do the, yeah, get an e-gift card. You use my email address, Aaron at feedjustbbq.com is the recipient so that I get the, the gift card emailed to me. And then we basically, we have a tab every Friday. We've always done it this way. We just build a tab for the veteran orders. And then at the end of the shift, we use the gift cards and we pay off the tab and then the next week we do the same thing. So right now we estimate we've got enough for 46 weeks. If Veterans Friday grows, because it's obviously gotten some more press lately yeah. in the past couple of days, so it might get bigger. That might not last as long, but it's still hugely impactful. And I got to say, those veterans are so grateful. And it's crazy because I'm going, no, we're doing this to thank yeah, you. Yeah. And they're going, no, but thank you. And I'm like, oh. no, we're doing this to thank you. I'm thank not you crying. You're service. crying. We're all crying. I know. Uh, it's just, it's so, so is this, it's so is this a, something just at your, um, the Greenway? Or is this at both locations? Or is this just? <laughs> so yeah, Veteran Fridays is just at Greenway Plaza. Okay. Um, we're just not sure that we would be able to do it at Spring Branch. It would be obviously a lot bigger. And I think the turnout would be a lot greater, which is good. But I don't know that financially yeah, we might not support sense, that. Yeah. yeah. So it's just at Greenway Plaza. But like I mentioned, the 10% discount is all day, every day at both okay. locations, um, assuming that we're open for business. And um, we also do big Veterans Day events uh, at both locations. So veterans eat for free at both locations on Veterans Day. Awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, so if you're a veteran, do you just show up? On, uh, for, is there some yeah. time or is there... Uh, 
Well, we're open from 11 to 2 at Greenway Plaza. So that's, that's the time frame, lunch. 11 to 2. <laughs> that's yeah. Lunch, okay. We, we don't require any type of ID. A lot of people show us, you know, their ID. We don't. If you say you're a veteran, we're going to believe you at your word. If you're not being honest about it, that's on you, not on that's us. That's on you, yeah. um, But I can, I can tell you this right now. People are really proud of their service. And so when people show up and they, they say, I'm a veteran, yeah. You can tell, man. I mean, they wear that pride on their shoulders. Of course, yeah. um, and so it, it's just a beautiful thing. And I'm really glad that we're able to keep doing it. And I just want to thank everybody that that donated because it's it's like an honor to be able to do that, to be able uh, to serve the people who served us. It makes me so proud. And that's makes me so happy for humanity and that people would do that's so great. And I I'll put a link below. I can't, I yeah. And now that I knew that <laughs> know the exact exact way, I'll be I'll be sending you a gift card too. This is great. This is really that is so wonderful so okay so that's and that and that's a great this is a great way to end this episode i with with yeah. you know, love and generosity and what you know and people it's people get down a lot and it, you know it's nice to know that you know there's a lot of light out there there's a lot of light and goodness and ah that yes. makes me so happy so if so i guess uh yeah how do we wrap these things up um <laughs> it was so it was so great it was so great to talk to you again aaron and uh if you're listening to this and you've listened all the way to this next month there'll be another one episode three but right now yeah thank you guys everyone for listening to episode uh, two of the barbecue and wine uh, podcast youtube show and uh, i appreciate you aaron I, I appreciate what you're doing and i appreciate what you're doing with the wine world that's uh, i'm excited to see it's nice because i think as we go you'll always be kind of you know showing new wines as well as yeah. ones that you're surprised with and that like what a surprise that three days ago a, a wine came across your desk yeah. that's cool that's really cool. Thank you, Kevin. I always have so much fun with you. Always. So much fun. Well, I always have fun. Yeah, this is this is like something I now I have like for sure something to look forward to every month. But this is cool. This is really yeah, this is this has been great. I, and also I like the fact that I hope that people when they listen to this, it's educational for them too, because there's a lot to learn and a lot to like to absorb with the mm -hmm. in the wine world. So cool. Have Love a good it. one. All right, take care. You too.